and welcome to episode six of Gone Off on a Tangent. We start this week with our own breaking news before we actually go into the news. We've agreed a sponsorship deal with a company in Lincoln uh, for which we had to do an advert, which uh, I think the boys will agree was highly amusing and fun to do. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm just reading that on the yellow, yellow bar going across the bottom of the podcast. I'm expecting Jim White to jump in at any point. Should we uh, should we get our advert out, boys? Should we get it out? Get so your advert out. Get your advert out for the lads. So we apologise that you're about to hear an advert, but it doesn't really count. It's, it's hardly a DFS advert. So roll VT. This podcast is coming to you, not live, but pre-recorded, from the Active Arena in Lincoln. Well, it's not, because we're not allowed. It's actually on Zoom. But Lincoln's... First indoor football venue with four purpose-built state-of-the-art pitches for multi-purpose use. Sports bar offering food and drink from 9am to 10pm. Right, that's the corporate bollocks done, Danny. Hope you enjoyed that, buddy. That was that was boring, mate, honestly. That yeah, was very, to... very dull. It's an advert. He needs bang for his buck. The £3.50 he's given us needs to stretch. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we should just get straight into the changing facilities, to be honest. Great, great space to get your cock out. You were thrown out of the changing facilities last time we were there, so uh, I'm not sure that's worth repeating. That kind of court, anyway. I presume you'll be going down, Stubbo. You can, because the five-a-side goals, you, you might have half a chance of reaching the crossbar. <laughs> Classic gag, good. But loads going on. He's really proactive. Loads of little leagues. Doesn't matter your age, ability, all the rest of it. It's, it's a facility for all. All height, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be the home of Gone Off on a Tangent. That's what we're going to be Yeah, doing. it's our little home, isn't it? So really appreciate Dan giving us the space. How can I reach the active arena, Stubbsy? Um, well, you can... Uh, multiple platforms, actually, Adam. Uh, they're available on Facebook, on Active Arena Lincoln. Uh, the same on Instagram. Uh, and also Google Active Arena Lincoln, and it'll come up on their uh, their website. You can drop them an email at info at activearena.co.uk or give them a call on 01522-701-715. So I hope that wasn't too painful for you, podcast listener. I think as adverts go, that was, that was pretty decent. Yeah, it wasn't like rammed down your throat, was it? No, I like think... might do in the changing rooms. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, here we go again. <laughs> Any excuse to get mucky. And I think we've a professional job on that. I think uh, Danny's going to be really impressed with us. I think uh, an extra 50p in the metre, I think, for us. Extra chicken wing on the plate when it comes out. All right, should we crack on with the news? Let's have some news, Adam. Lovely, right. Let's just round off the tour of India. It's not so much news. Obviously, the... The final ODI was was completed over the weekend. Obviously, England lost it. So that, unfortunately, means they lost the ODIs, the T20s and the Test Series, which is a shame. Um, but I don't think it's as, it, black as black and white as that statement says. It was a hammering. Yeah. No, mate. To lose all three... You know, as a as a tour goes, I think after, especially after the test, I mean the test series was a shambles, but um, that was partly due to other other things. But I think the I think we should be really disappointed with how the the one day series went. Um, there's a couple of thrillers, and actually we were close to to sneaking it in the decider yesterday, but 
I was watching the final ODI on my phone while watching England, and I felt when they dropped Curran, I think it was, it might have been Wood, twice, I thought, oh, they've got to go on and win now. So I, I was... I was genu- I was I was I was desperately disappointed when they didn't get over the line because them, them two were massive drops. They were proper mistakes. I just yeah. Don't... I thought to be fair, like I, as the the results are very disappointing, but I think we've got there's plenty of positives to take from the tour as well. Um, there was a lot of um, swapping and changing with the sides, um, especially the ODI side. We had the, all the injuries and stuff. Um, I think Sam Curran to see him firing the firing with the bat. I think for the f- first time in one day, pretty much cricket, the first um, time in one day cricket. Yeah, his um, highest score before yesterday, uh, before the eighty odd was fifteen. I think. Yeah, they said that. Yeah. And I think do you know what he looked really good for it as well. He looked like a proper batter. Um, so positives to take out there. Um, Rashid Sad Virat Kohli. Massive prick in his pallet, in his pocket the whole way through the tour, um, which again is really nice to see that uh, Rashid's got the wool over the massive bell end that is Virat Kohli. Um, but I think he's really competitive. Uh, I don't think we were ever completely dominated in the in the white ball stuff. On that point, and the rest of world cricket will have been watching that series and thinking, "Oh, these are two really good teams." That's what it felt like to me. It felt like one and two. Yeah. And with the World Cup on the horizon, I just think the rest of the world's been looking at thinking, where's the weakness? I know the next next World Cup is in India, so obviously that, that would make them favourites, I'd imagine. But I don't know. I thought they were I thought it, I thought it was it felt closer to me that you boys know what you're talking about over, over this idiot, but I just I just felt there was it's fine margins in world sport, in all sports. I just felt they just fell the wrong side of the margins every time. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, mate, to be fair. I don't think we was ever completely outclassed and it was two absolute titans playing each other, um, which unfortunately we didn't come out on top this time. But I know full well that it stand, what what we saw and what we found out stands is in good stead with things, things going forward. Uh, we didn't by any means probably play our best cricket, but with everything that's going on with... Covid and all the rest of it, and the changing of sides and everything else that comes with it. I'm certainly not disappointed with the one day performance. Yeah, it's interesting to see uh, how India changed when there was from no crowd to crowd, and well, and vice versa. So I think to, just to summarise, I think uh, disappointing, but you can see cl- there's clear signs uh, that we're still a very good cricket side, and uh, I think it's positive for the World Cup. I think coming up. Yeah, I think yeah, I completely agree with you, Stoxy. At the end of the day, no side goes to India and has an easy time of it. And we were competitive throughout the whole of the one-day series and the T20s. There's a lot of positives to take out of it. The time, the one time that we did put a full put full performance together, we won the game. The yeah. other times there was bits and bits, uh, bits and bobs missing, and we didn't win the game. That's one-day cricket when you got two Titans playing against each other. Anybody takes the foot off for one second, you'll lose the game. And that's the beauty of two brilliant sides playing against each other. Like we let India off um, a couple of times in this, this last one day. You can't afford to field how they did and they got away with it. Yeah. Um, however, every time that we made a small mistake, we didn't get away with it. And I think that's the the main difference between the two sides this, t- this time round. 
On to the next topic, and the next topic is rugby league. Now, I know what you're thinking, you hypocrites. You've, especially Carl Stubbs, I'm going to name check you, you hypocrites, because you've been slagging rugby off since the first episode. But what you're missing, listener, is this is northern rugby. This is proper rugby. This is great rugby. rugby. Yeah. This is proper rugby. It comes from the north. So, yeah, so it was the opening weekend of the Super League. So, uh, mixed bag of results. I, I watched most of the games, actually. It, I, I like the rugby league, so I, I watched most of the games. And uh, Lee gave Wigan a scare on, on the Friday night. Give him an almighty scare. On the, Fantastic on... game, wasn't it? Well, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. And then Wigan obviously got it. What was it? 18 0 after 30 minutes or something? Yeah, it was it was it was fascinating to watch because obviously it's like it's like any sport, the first opening night, you've got all the nerves, and again, they've got a crowd, so it's it's the feeding off stuff. Obviously, Lee are newly promoted, and I'm not quite quite sure what Wigan were playing at, but they got over the line in the end. And then a big win for St. Ellen's. Salford always seemed to be there and thereabouts, and they always seem to fall away for my liking. I don't know the, the bank roll, but yeah, St. Ellen's with a, with, a, with a pretty impressive win. I mean, it's hard to look past St. Ellen's, to be honest with you. And then on to the Saturday games. Big win for the Leeds Rhinos, which is my team. Against Wakey. Against Rhinos. It was a good game, actually, wasn't it? Very back and forth contest, but the Rhinos state come out on top in the end. Well, I fucking trained in Wakefield. I could train. I know. That's what oh, I mean. It's scary. a lot more engaging for the watch, for like the for watching, isn't it? For the viewer. Did you uh, see Tom Johnston's two tries for Wakey Stocks? There's no bloody stopping him. I think if, if nobody's like... Mate, he's rapid, isn't he? Genius. Turn the noz on. See you later. Well, after the game, he got man of the match. And in the interview, he looked gutted in the interview because he obviously could tell... He's obviously played a blinder and then just... Those tries were just amazing. I mean... Well, he sprinted 100 yards per try. He'd ran length of the pitch for both So of much effort. <laughs> so much effort. <laughs> I mean, the Rhinos just dug it out in the end. It was, I mean, obviously it was an away game for Leeds, but obviously it was, it was at Headingley. So that's, that's obviously how they're doing the grounds. But on DT's point, if, if you don't watch rugby league and you just want, uh, I think it's the best neutral sport on the planet. I think it's full of entertainment. There's massive hits. There's lots of scoring, obviously. And there's some talented boys. And then at the end, when they do the interviews, you don't expect the accent to come out, which is always a hilariously northern accent. And it's uh, it's brilliant. And it's fantastic. Um, Big win for KR. They beat the Cowboys. Golden point drama, wasn't it? Last minute. Yeah. Right. Uh, Again, drama for the neutral. If you're not watching, you need to get on it. It's, um, they were they were like well they, I think they were twenty eight four down at one point as well. You just you can't count out comebacks. So so the the Catalans were eighteen four at half time. Obviously, and then uh, managed to just just get over the line and obviously Hull and just avert Hull's comeback. Um, and then the the round of games uh, completed with Hull beating Huddersfield, Hull FC beating Huddersfield. And, and Cass getting a win. I thought Cass were impressive, actually. I was really impressed. No, I was really impressed with Cass. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Again, a team it's, that um, there and thereabouts, but never gets on the line. Well, it's Daryl Powell's last year this year, isn't it? Yeah. He's already come out and said, and I think that I might be wrong with this, so forgive me if I am, but he's the longest serving coach in the Super League at the minute. Oh, I don't know, mate. Um, right, I don't know. Yeah, he's the longest serving coach. I'm sure he is. I read it or it was said in the commentary at some point over the weekend. 
Um, but he's to be fair to him, in his stint there, he's turned him round from a fairly sort of mediocre-ish side to a pretty competitive outfit, hasn't he? Completely, yeah. I mean, the, the, I'm going to be careful here in case a Cass fan's listening, because I, I work in Castleford now. Um, they were a bit of a joke at one point, Castleford. Again, very sorry if I've offended anybody and I'm going to walk in a pub and someone's going to glass me. But uh, they were a bit of a joke. They always felt like sort of Leeds' runty cousin. Um, and uh, if they beat them, it always felt a bit of a joke. But no, you're absolutely right, mate. It's um, it's interesting. So let's let's make a stupid, bold prediction. Who's winning the Super League? You first, DT. Who's winning it, pal? Rhinos. Right. I'll just clarify that. Are they winning the League Leaders' Shield and the Grand Final? Who's doing what, where and when? You're, you're allowed a double. Uh, I'll go St Helens and Rhinos for the grand final. Stubbs I'm going to go Castleford and I love the Rhinos going to win the whole the grand final. Oh, we've got an hat-trick for the Rhinos here because I think St Helens are going to win the League Leaders' Shield They're because they're, they'll be competitive all year and Rhinos will do what they always do. They'll rock up in the grand final and uh, set the award. It's what they do. Yeah, my own, my little... I'm going to put a little asterisk next to Castleford and that's if they can keep everyone fit because they seem to get ruined with injuries every year and if they can keep the majority of the team fit, I think they'll be well up there uh, battling for all the honours at the end of the season if you're listening to Ellen's fans it's not all doom and gloom I think you win the Challenge Cup so uh, don't worry you will be getting some sort of silverware from our very loose predictions our next news item is a very interesting one which is Gordon Taylor being replaced as the PFA Chief Executive now the vote itself has been very controversial so Maheta Malongo has has got the job um, really interestingly uh, interesting candidate backed by some uh, some protests from others to his appointment which I think is very interesting um, Gary Neville was speaking out today about was backing him today um, on, on, on Twitter uh, just thought while, while I dive in for your thoughts boys it was just worth probably just having a little look at uh, Gordon Taylor's history really so 40 year career in the position uh, he's faced massive criticism over his dementia response um, which hasn't been good enough uh, his salary is 2 million per year plus bonuses so not a bad I job just fuck off just fuck off being oh, paid that enough. amount of money fair enough um, fucking outrageous I know it is it is he he got the salary of the salary is so high because he's he's credited with the deal they negotiated with the with the Premier League. That brings them in every single year, 25 million. And when it was originally negotiated, it was all off the back of threatening to strike. And they managed to get an absolute slice of the Prem deal, which covers well, more than covers his salary, clearly. Uh, it turns over 54 in the last two years, it's it's earned nearly 54 million, and most of that's come from the TV money. He's, he's brought in four million. Uh, the manager's fund was five hundred and fifty-five thousand, uh, and they're only given to loop it back to dementia. Three hundred twenty-five thousand is all they've given to the research, which is why they're coming under such criticism. Um, so a, a very, I think it's fair to say, a very divisive figure in the role, um, very much so. So on to the new man, um, Heta Malongo is the new man. Interesting guy. I think you boys know him well, actually. But 
his latest job, or his most recent job, should I say, uh, he spent four years working as chief executive of Spanish club Real Mallorca. Um, so interesting. But from his playing days, boys, you will know him, won't you? Well, yeah, I... <laughs> I wouldn't say we know him well. We had him for 10 games on loan from Brighton at Lincoln. And he, um, I think he only scored one one goal for us in the League Cup. Um, and always, re- you just remember, there's a bit of, a, you know, a bit of an obscure name. And just remember, it was so, so random when you just, obviously have a player play for you for like 10 games and then they drop off the face of the earth and you kind of I see they pop up here, there and everywhere in the rest of their playing career. And then all of a sudden, out of fucking nowhere, because I didn't know what he would, what he'd gone on to do, what he was doing. It's just all of a sudden become the new PFA, head of the PFA, and you just think, bloody hell, like, it's just one of those really random stories to pop up, and then you look a bit into it, and he's he's a proper smart bloke, isn't he? He's got it's, a hell of a, uh, hell of a CV. It's a big job, you know, replacing a guy that is the PFA. I mean, 40 years in one job. I mean, he is, he's missed the PFA, isn't he? And he's, he's always been there in our lifetime as well, so that's kind of like... He's the, always been the one that we've seen that's been in that position. So for that, for um, Maheta to come in, I think it'd be really interesting to see see how it goes. But like I have I real issues with the PFA. I think we've touched on it on a previous podcast, but I don't know where they wield their power. And I and I just I think I think they're a pathetic organisation. I understand why they're there, and that's probably that's going to sound really strong. Yeah. But I just think they've got such a standing in the game. It just feels like they stand, they sit there every year and just take, they just cash the check. And it's like, I'll give an, I'll give an example to back, back up my argument. So when, when the COVID thing happened the first time around, and I, obviously we've got friends that work at football clubs, especially in the football league, and you speak to them and it's, we don't know how we're paying for testing. We don't know how we're paying. We, we can't pay for it. We can't pay for it. We need to get back. We need to get the league sorted. We need to, we need to do that. Every time it went to the PFA to put their hands in the pocket, say, right, we'll cover it. They didn't. Radio silent. I've given you the numbers. They've got money. Money isn't a concern. They bank 25 million every single year. And only a fraction of that is going towards what it's supposed to go for. So when they when they were to, when it was time to put player welfare first, their members, and there's over 4,000 of them, their members will pay for testing. Not a problem. Where do we sign? We'll bank they weren't there. They were, they were left wanting. Don't get me wrong, eventually they did pay for it. In this latest round, they have paid for it and they have ponied up, but that's not good enough. You're you're literally player welfare. That is your job. And COVID was a pretty big welfare scare. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, To be fair, looking at this guy, like um, he's played the game. I think that's like an important thing. Um, I think that's really key. Really key. Yeah. you have to play this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've read somewhere today that he speaks five different languages, so I'm pretty sure that he will be able to hold a conversation with a high majority of the players. Um, they're in the process of the, is it the player panel type thing that they have? There's 40-odd players put forward yeah. for that, hasn't there? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is really interesting. Tyro Mings is one of them, isn't he? Which I thought was quite an He's interesting He's very vocal, one. isn't he, Tyro Mings? Very vocal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, as I say, it needed refreshing. I was looking, and also he's starting. Uh, this Gordon Taylor started when he was thirty-six, didn't he? Started mm-hmm. the job. So this this yeah. guy's got um, two. Malango's thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah. So he's got two years further experience on him. 
Um, Work within football, obviously, as well. He's 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 held positions in football, which is huge in the boardroom level. Yeah, and if not being funny, Gary Neville's a fairly switched-on bloke, isn't he? I think on and off the field, Um, if he's got his back in, I think it's his. It's a good enough thing for me. Yeah, sporting lawyer as well. At um, I think one of the best Spanish sporting lawyers, apparently. Shame, yeah. Chambers and Partners, I think the company name is, and they've because um, he was seconded to, uh, you know, um, I think when Atletico Madrid was slapped with that, like it was one of the first kind of big transfer embargoes. I think he was part of the the legal team um, that that led that. Um, he was the guy that sorted out the negotiation of uh, Ozil's termination from his deal from Real Madrid ahead of his move to Arsenal. I think that was when Mourinho was there, wasn't it? Uh, Mourinho had a, had a bit of a ding-dong with him. I was reading on that, reading about that earlier, actually, um, about that situation, when he dragged him at half-time for Kaka. You've uh, read about this? Yeah, yeah. So he dragged him, uh, dragged Ozil at half-time um, after he didn't play very well. And a lot of the players uh, disagreed with his decision to do so. So Sergio Ramos grabbed Mirza Ozil's shirt and put it on under his playing shirt. There's photos of it come out today after Ozil spoke about it, where you can see the number 10 and Ozil underneath Ramos's shirt to show right. a bit of solidarity to his mate. But anyway, off on the table. But also, there. yeah, the other thing that um, is interesting, you know, touched on the fact that he has been on the or chief exec for... Mallorca, um, and they went from losing eight million euros a year to turning a 17 million euro profit while he was kind of in charge there, helping reduce their overall debt by 27 yeah. mil. Obviously, left in, in February last year, but I think he's like I say, he's got a very colorful CV, he's got a very it's very interesting move by the PFA, and I, I, I th- I'm pretty excited really to see where they go with it because it, it, at the end of the day, like I said. It's needed somebody who's played the game regularly, um, you know, taking over, you know, some of the key, making the key decisions. Because some, there's nothing worse than someone who doesn't have experience making decisions about um, things. Because it, it's no good for anybody. I think the the final word on this is his, his CV is very impressive, and I think it will shake the organisation up. Which is Christ knows what it needs. It needs shaking from its core, if I'm honest. I think this, hopefully, like you said, Dan, hopefully this is the guy. First job, get behind getting rid of VAR, please, Maheta. <laughs> yes. Second did stuff, me. Uh, yes. pull, pull the plug out of the back of the computer, old buddy old pal. Some actual breaking news tonight, and as we record, as we sit here recording, some legitimately massive news from the world of football, actually. So I think we probably knew it was coming, or maybe didn't, I don't know. Uh, so Man City have tonight confirmed that Sergio Aguero will leave the club end of the season. So as I say, legitimately big news. Uh, Sky reporting they'll get a statue, which is very nice of them, uh, next to the company one, I'd imagine. Where do you want your statue, Mr Company? I think was the famous phrase that Neville ushered. Um, so, 257 goals in 384 appearances, uh, an unbelievable Man City CV, and 
obviously the man who had probably the greatest Premier League moment with the goal. No possibly about it, mate. It was it's iconic. People, yeah, people say that you can't hear pictures, but I can guarantee you if you look at the, the still of him hitting that volley, the first thing that you think of is Aguero! Yeah. Absolute nail on the head. It's it's it was a really weird day that because we, we had Mike on last week, uh, our boxing correspondent. He's he's a massive uh, Man United fan. He he was in the away end at Sunderland, so he was get, obviously getting it dribbed through to him. Uh, if you're listening, Mike, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Shane, mate, Shane. Uh, the rest of us were obviously watching on on television and. I jumped around the room, which was a really weird response to a goal. It was. It was such an amazing moment. I just I celebrated. I, I, it was nature. We were um, we were playing cricket, and uh, it was tea, and we delayed going out for the second inning because it was kind of getting really tight. And uh, yeah, it was similar. It was there was a similar kind of feeling amongst the people that were there watching it. Then, like people were just jumping about. And it's like. No one supported Man City. It's just like one of those most, the, the most incredible sporting moment, you know, certainly in Premier League history. Like, it's just unbelievable. It's like, legitimately the Premier League's JFK moment. And it's the where were you when it happened? Because it's just once, that's once in a lifetime. And think, if people remember, I'm talking a bit more about Man City now than we are Aguero, but if everyone remembers the game, it was such a roller coaster game. And QPR played their part and the Joey Barton. Obviously, nonsense on the pitch, and just and he uh, like Balotelli did that had the assist, and, and he was useless, and it was just just majestic. And I know we we had this in episode four when we when we completely took VAR to pieces. But the first tweet I saw tonight from a fan was, "Well, it wouldn't have even happened if VAR was around. The nipple would have been offside." And to loop it all the way back to episode four, which you should go download and listen to, VAR would have ruined that goal. Var would have ruined it. That's the reason Var needs to fuck off because that it would have ruined it. But I'm doing Sergio Aguero uh, a disservice. So, two questions for you, boys. Where does Aguero land next? That's first question. And second question: Who's brought in to replace him? DT, I'll go to you first. Well, I, I, I certainly think they'll do all they can to try and get Haaland. Um, but in terms of where he goes, I, I don't know. Will he go back to Argentina? I don't know. He's, um, he's he's got a couple of injury concerns at the moment, hasn't he? So I'm sure. Yeah. Well, Do you see him staying in the Premier League? Deal somewhere. Before, before no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't think I don't so. Think I, think like him. I, I could be wide of the mark here, but he played for Atletico, so it's very unlikely he goes to Real because there is obviously there's such a hatred there, and that happens a lot. I mean, let's be honest. There's been other players that definitely haven't gone back, the likes of Torres and. Suarez and stuff. Once, they, once they've played for, for that club, they, they don't even talk about Madrid. So, Barca's not going to happen, I don't think. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I wouldn't think he'll go back to Spain unless he goes back to Atletico. To be honest. Oh, so, yeah, that's, that's where... You go now, Stubbsy. I'll stop talking. You go now, buddy. What do you reckon? Yeah, my, my money's firmly with Atletico. Firmly with Atletico. I can't see him go anywhere else, to be honest. I just think it makes perfect sense. For at this stage of his career, Atletico don't mind having, let's say, the more experienced striker. Like, look who they've got up top at the minute with uh, Suarez and um, Costa and whatnot. Can you imagine that throwing 
Aguero into that little mix. Oh, and and who do you think replaces him? Where 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 does their whoever Manchester City would like because <laughs> they have a on the fence, mate. huge bank balance. <laughs> Well, no, it's listen, well, I think it, I think it is as simple as that. They've got a massive, massive bank balance. I think you'll probably hear about messy rumours. Will probably pick up and become stronger over the next few weeks. Um, but I don't know. I think to be fair, I don't know what Man City's got coming up through their their youth structure. Have they got a Foden that plays up top? Sat sat kicking around Rory, Rory Delapson. He made his debut this year, didn't he? Rory Delapson. Mm. He's up front for him and he's banging them in for the use. Yeah, they've got a strong use. Does, slot, but, does yeah. he take throw-ins? He must do. But as, as as a throw, like, with, with a, a throw-ins hereditary. Knowing, knowing as we do now, because he's been here a while, Guardiola, I honestly think he likes spending money. So if the money's there, which we know it is, but if, if the deal's right, in every every on every day of the week they go for Haaland. I think he's absolutely perfect for him. In, 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 to a point where they need to start with a minus 15 for signing, because it's just a joke. But I could also see a scenario where they don't replace him. And if you remember, when Guardiola first came in, he wasn't having Aguero. He didn't play him. He didn't interest him at all. It was really... And Aguero, to be fair, to, to, to all the credit in the world, really had to force his way into that side, which is silly because he's unbelievable. But he didn't trust him. He, he trusted Jesus over him. And it'd be, be really interesting summer for them. But I, I think um, to nail Michael to the mast, I think, I think they go all in for... For Harlem, because you can have him this summer. Yes, it costs you double the money next summer, but you have to get to the front of the queue and get him while he's on, get him while he's available. And yeah, I think Aguero ends up at Juve. I think it is. I do. Yeah, I just not based on nothing other than I think Ronaldo leaves Juve in the summer. Uh, they've always got money. They like a splash, and he'd score for fun in Italy. I think. I think it would suit his the pace of the game there. Would now suit him, I think. Like you say, with his injuries and things, I don't think he can do the blood and thunder. Um, I mean, the right was on the wall with Sergio Aguero because I mean, he was out. I don't know if you saw this in the papers, but he was moaning about not being passed to in the last last Champions League game. So uh, when when he started reading that, I think it's game over. Um, that won't pass to me. Not pass to me. That, that ginger guy in the middle, wherever his name is, all passed to me. Prick. Um, <laughs> By the way, just going back to just going back to that goal. Yeah, that's, it's t- it's ten years ago next year. Oh my god, is it ten years? Fucking hell, where's that gone? Ten years since you were crying in Sunderland, Mike. Are you listening, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> um, this obviously flashed up. To, we're recording on Monday. And this obviously flashed up uh, on our, all our timelines. We could add it into the news. I just want to draw your attention. Um, it's very unlikely he's listening to this podcast, but if if by some miracle, Oliver Holt, if you're listening, Oliver Holt, I just want to repeat your tweet from the 27th of the 7th, 2011. <clears throat> your tweet read as such. Aguero will be highest profile signing of the summer so far, if it happens, full stop. Still think Charlie Adam to Liverpool could be the best, though. Where's your journalism? Fucking hell. Some fat bloke with no teeth, better than Aguero. The signing for Atletico Madrid, for fuck's sake. Charlie Adam. 
<laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that little Brahma that I discovered on my Twitter timeline. He's getting absolutely hammered, as you'd probably expect. So, um, just to round this off, boys, where does he rank in all-time Premier League talents for you? Oh, he's he's right up there. He's right. His goal-scoring record's a joke. Like he's he's been he's been phenomenal. He's been uh, he's, he's he just fits. He fits the mould in so many different formations as well, and he's done such such an unreal job in that kind of in that city um, in the last decade of those you know city coming in with all the big money and you know we know that money um, has had a massive part to play in how successful they've been. But he's in terms of overall talent in the Premier League, he's right up there, top five, I would say. I think Aguero's uh, literally world class and has. Has been, has been for a, however many seasons. It was it 2011 he signed for Man City. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah absolutely phenomenal. Consistently scoring goals, and to be fair, I don't think that Man City side would be anywhere near as good as they have been over that period of time without him. He's been what one of the the most consistent performers in their recent domination. When they look back on it, it is Vincent Company, David Silva, Sergio Aguero, isn't it? That's the three. Yeah. That's, that's the three. The, yeah. That, that's, that, that's your spine. Yeah. Um, and the, the spine that you based the last 10 years at, at the Etihad, really, because they've just been... And what a spine yeah, as the, well. The yeah. <laughs> what a spine. He's fourth on the all-time Premier League list just for reference, so obviously Alan Shearer, Wayne Rooney, Andy Cole, Sergio Aguero. What is interesting is, although Wayne Rooney got 208 goals on his list, obviously he's recently retired, uh, Sergio Aguero did it in less games. Impressive. Really? Yeah, Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney 491 appearances, 208 goals, Sergio Aguero 181 in 271. Just real. Jesus. That's mind-blowing numbers, isn't it? He's a yeah. freak. To be fair, talent. Yeah. he has been putting balls in the net from David Silva, who's an absolute magician. <laughs> it's not like Wayne Rooney had me feeding him, mate, to be fair. Yeah, fair comment. So, describe Sergio Aguero in one word. Stubbsy, go. Electric. Oh, nice. DT? Sublime. Oh, another one. I'm going to... What about you, mate? I... <laughs> I'm going to enter my soccer M watching 14 year old and say, baller. Baller. <laughs> that that way should never come out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm keeping it. On a, fit, on a serious note, doesn't though, fit I think, your face. <laughs> on a serious note, though, like the Premier League is losing, is going to lose one of its greatest ever strikers. And I, for one, have thoroughly enjoyed watching him play. So. This feature I've entitled Goat Rhetoric. I'm going to make a statement. Nobody's going to disagree with it and we're just going to have a little rant about it. It's effectively what this little feature is. Just a little break from show and tell for a week for you. So Goat Rhetoric. I just think, hold on, first of all, just before you get into it, standard, can you tell me what the word means? We need to have one, one, one a week and we've got there with this one. I must admit, I did have a chuckle last week at Eloquent. Yeah. Do you want to just tell the listener what you thought the word was when I put it on the WhatsApp group, Stubbsy? That's where we should start. Um, Rhetoric. 
<laughs> I thought it meant something to, like rhetorical. <laughs> it's the school system I'm worried about. So I literally just thought that you were going to make a point that was like a rhetorical question and we just move on from it. <laughs> that is literally all I thought it was. So, just in case there's somebody listening. There's somebody listening who's nervously laughing in the car, going, yeah, yeah, in, in, in that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quick, can you hurry up with this definition? <laughs> Rhetoric. I, I, don't, I don't want to be in the same campus car for two months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I did know what that meant, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you, Mum. Um, <laughs> Rhetoric is a noun. The art of effective or persuasive speaking or writing, especially the exploitation of figures of speech and other compositional techniques. So, welcome to Goat Rhetoric. This week's Goat Rhetoric is, how is football coverage so poor? Now, to clarify this... Is that a rhetorical question? No. Because I need to confirm, this definitely does does need a fucking answer. (laughs) So... To qualify why I've picked this as my statement is purely because we can't go to games and uh, the government has stopped me from watching my beloved Leeds United in the Premier League for the first time in 16 years. And I've had to endure what I can only describe as the worst television editing and punditry and commentary and just absolutely everything about watching football on the TV is excruciating. And I know you boys feel the same, so let's get into goat rhetoric. DT, over to you, boy. No, it, I mean we spoke. We've spoken about like how poor punditry's been and all that sort of thing. But it's it, like you say, it's the it's just the coverage overall and how far behind it seems to be as the biggest game in the world. It just seems so far behind. Like I know Stubbs is going to come on to to talking about you know the things that are seem to be available in other sports and things but for me like just watching you know Lincoln on Sky last week against Oxford and you've got Don Goodman and they're just fucking lazy and it pisses me off because they're lazy they don't do the job properly their their research is abysmal I mean you you couldn't even make a joke about, about it really but he was referring to Sunderland's Sunderland playing at Roker Park and you think what the fuck is going on? Like everyone went mad, mad about it. Like loads of people were tweeting about it. And it's just think it's so shit. Like but, the coverage overall is it's lazy. There've been the same fucking commentators on Sky for like League One, like or old Division Two, Division Three football for years. And and it's just it's eight, it's like oh it's on that point, DT, Don Goodman did your game against Oxford. Yeah. And then I had the international at the weekend. He did France Kazakhstan. I mean, we're listening to Don Goodman coverage of France Kazakhstan. Just, just fuck off. Like, it's like, oh, we'll just, yeah, he'll do that one. He'll do that one. There's just no, like. My real issue is I'm used to watching, as I said, in the stands. So I I know I won't get that and understand that, but the amount of cutaways they do. You'll be watching. You'll be watching my team, and I, I've nearly missed three goals this year because they've been showing replay after replay after replay of something that just like someone had a shot from twelve yards and it trickled to the keeper, 
and they show it from three three angles. We release the ball really quickly, cuts back, we've nearly scored. It's it's ridiculous. It happened against Chelsea. We literally scored, only caught the end of it as he ran through on goal and stuck it in. And you just the, the coverage is embarrassing. They, 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 it's the same every time. So they do replay, 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 cut to manager, a nice slow motion of the manager, then cut to player, then cut back to the to the football. And, and I'm screaming. I'm I'm literally it's embarrassing. I'm screaming at the telly. Show me the game. I want to watch the game. Yeah. What's happening? I can hear it. I can hear stuff happening. I, yeah, I'd rather than just break. Like, if if you need to see if, it, and it's similar like on iFollow. And obviously, we've all had to watch our teams from the sofa this year, which has been painful. And I think it's kind of really exaggerated how bad it's been because I don't think it would be getting spoken about. I don't think it would be getting noticed as much if people were actually going to games because obviously you don't pick up on it as much. But when you, your only option is to watch on the TV from the sofa you notice the small things and then obviously that's, it can start small and then it'll piss you off once and then it'll piss you off again and then it'll piss you off again. And then uh, the other thing, I mean, stop apologising for fucking swearing on, like, who cares? Like, like to apologise players... for Dan Taylor's language on this podcast. <laughs> I tell you what, it's a good job you didn't do that every time. This podcast is about four hours long. <laughs> <laughs> but I... Honestly, like, come on! Like, it's a, it's a, it's a game. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a competitive sport, and you just think, you know, just let it, let that sort of stuff slide. No one is sat at home going, "Oh, bloody language today!" Fuck off. <laughs> I watched Hull Lincoln. I think I messaged you at the time. I watched Hull Lincoln um, and the Papa John's, and it was, it was the Hull commentary, and it was the worst commentary I've ever heard and I've heard some shockers they went through to penalties and he was giving he was and obviously Lincoln progressed so to give it context he, he was saying this is the big one for Hull this is the big one he scores this we're on the way to Wembley he misses and he goes oh it doesn't matter we've got a league game on Saturday <laughs> talk about oh <laughs> To be honest, like we've obviously the I follow, you're able to like listen in to like the the team you're playing against comms, which is actually in a way it's good. In a way, you can compare how fucking terrible. No, it's embarrassing, mate. It's um, embarrassing. But yeah, I know. But like, there's some there's some that have really like really surprised me. Like Plymouth was really good this year, and they had um and they'd obviously done like a lot of research, but they've also got more camera angles for some reason. I don't know why, but... Um, Normally single. And just over, overall, the coverage was just like streets ahead of kind of any of the other games that we've watched. But just, it's so lazy, but it's, it doesn't take much just to like, just to learn a bit, Good. like learn a bit about the team, teams that you're watching or that you're commentating on. Like you just think like, is it really that difficult for you to... You know, you're do you're doing the job that you're being paid to do. But like you said, that that epitomises how shit it is at the minute. Don Goodman's going from, you know, watching Lincoln Oxford to commentating on France Kazakhstan. I mean, just fucking do one. To give you an example of a good commentator, so, so Danny Higginbottom, uh, who's now works for NBC over in the states, he's, he's, he's had a massive job given to him over there. 
he used to ring when he, when he was in the championship, he used to ring our local beat guy, a guy called Phil Hay, and he would ring him in the week and he would just get the lowdown on, on everything. What's been happening recently? What do I need to look out for? And, and, and Phil says on his podcast that he's never been called by anybody else. That's the only guy he can recall ever doing that. And, and he would do it all the time, right? What we're looking out for, what do I need to know, blah, blah, Little Little sort of intricacies of stuff that, you only get when you when you get inside, when you get on the inside of what's going on at a club rather than just looking at it from the outside. Well, nothing drives football fans more insane than really lazy, lazy tropes. And that's that. I mean, I know we've talked about it before, but the the, the one that really got the Leeds fans was was Karen Carney saying about uh, COVID got promoted. I mean, I've never seen vitriol like that. I mean, it drove the Leeds fans absolutely barmy. And uh, if you're wondering, uh, Karen, if you look at the form table, we're seventh in the form table since Christmas, so not sure COVID did get promoted, did it? Stubbsy? I do like the the point for me is I just feel like the the whole the coverage of the football is just shit. Like I've the, coming from the coverage of that I've just experienced with been a massive horse racing fan with Cheltenham. And not just Cheltenham, actually. I'm like going to give the IT give ITV a lot of credit here. The coverage that they have offered on horse racing, pretty much every Saturday for the past however long, has been second to none. Like a different level, like levels and levels above any, anything like that. And to be fair, like even with Sky Sports, when like the golf's on and you, there's a big um, a big competition and all the rest of it with the Masters and that, the coverage is absolutely brilliant. And then it comes to the football, and it's just drivel. It's genuinely oh, It's just a football issue. Cricket, NFL, golf, like you've said, all on Sky. The cricket, all brilliant. Yeah, the yeah, the cricket on Sky, absolutely world class. Like it's genuinely brilliant. They've got some great personalities there with with all, like males, females. They've got a, a great mix of of commentators and and pundits there, and it works really well, really, really well. The same in the horse racing with ITV. And to be fair, even on at the races and, and racing TV, like the coverage is absolutely class. And then you turn the football on and it's just genuinely just crap. Like think- I hate it. It's not enjoyable. No. I, genuinely, as soon as like half time or whatnot comes, I turn it off. Yeah. Do, do, do you think this is, do you think we've got more of a grind because we don't want to watch it on TV or... Are we being fair? I think we're being fair. I must admit, I think I think it's awful. I just think it's shit, mate. I, like I, genuinely. I, <laughs> yeah, it, it is shit, and I do think we're being. We like I said, we've we've not had a choice but to to watch it the way we have been watching it this last year. So it it's only exacerbated. It's only kind of exaggerated how bad it's been when all you all you do. So that's another one for your stubs there. Two there, um, one double dose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it it's really kind of it's made it abundantly clear how bad it is, and um, unfortunately, it it's it's actually it's it's embarrassing. I you swallowed a dictionary. That's embarrassing. <laughs> you popped out epitomizes some other shit. You, you just added one in that I didn't say. <laughs> I didn't say. No, you did in your last a sentence of like your last sentence. You said epitomizes. I was like, oh, I like that word. That's nice. And then <laughs> you just dropped mean? two. <laughs> no, I do know what epitomizes is one of my favorite words, actually. I think it, I think when it when you drill into it, I think. They're giving us a product that nobody asked for. 
That's my concern. They think this is how we want to watch football, but it isn't. This isn't how people want, this isn't how football is supposed to be consumed. And it's the same argument with commentators. They talk too much. Stop talking. I had, yeah. uh, I had to go to Tesco's the other night and I had uh, Talk Sport on, and Clive Tilsey was on Talk Sport. And I literally pulled over and texted my dad and said, Stick Talk Sport on. Clive Tilsey's doing an absolute masterclass of commentary. He was telling me where the ball was. He was telling me what was happening. He wasn't going on about some shit like Sam Matterface, just rabbiting on about some shit. He was literally going... Your job is to describe to me the game that you're seeing because I can't watch it. I'm listening to it. So you you can visualise it. I was blown away. It was... I had to pull over. It was genuinely superb. It was refreshing. The amount of games you'll drive back from and you obviously got got the two hours, whatever, it's come back and there'll be the 5.30 kickoff. And half the time, the rabbit's not about something. Oh, it's a goal. Hey, well, how did it get there? There was a... And it's it's shocking. So it's not... Football needs to take a long, hard look at itself and it needs needs to get this right, especially if more people are going to be watching on television because it's embarrassing. So our final feature for your listening pleasure is a game brought to you, ironically, by a guy who looks like a character in said game. What game are we playing, DT? So, guess who? And yes, it is Bill that you're all thinking about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you can put that that one down. Um, Yeah, so basically I've, I have selected a sportsman or sportswoman um, and it's over to you guys to ping-pong back and forth some questions um, to find out who it is. So what are we doing when we know the answer? Have, we, have you got a buzzer for us? or? Well, not a physical buzzer, but um, if I just put it on you to, you know, a verbal buzzer. Um, what would yours be if I uh, if I fi- if you feel like you know the answer? What noise or phrase are you going to shout out? So, Carl. Oh, this is a tough one. So uh, I'm just going to go to one of my favourite chat up lines and say, uh, "Oh, nice tea. Can I lick them? <laughs> nice one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to quote Phoenix Knights and say, "Get off me, you girl." That's my that's my catchphrase. Okie doke. Game on. Are those okay? Are those okay, Dan? Do they pass you? They're absolutely fine. Are they okay, Bill Herman? Up there. They are Bill Herman. (laughs) They are right up there. So, who's going first? Should we we flip a coin? Okay. Call it in the air, Carl. You ready? Heads. Yeah, heads it is. You go first. Have they got a cock? That's my question. <laughs> they have got a cock. Uh, right. Is it above the UK average size of six inches? <laughs> uh, possibly. Oof. It Can't say I've seen it. Nice teeth. Can I lick them? That's the early one, isn't it? Straight in. Right. Who do you think it is, Carl? Tiger Woods. Incorrect. God, that's an early Close. one, that Carl. Early one. Imagine if I got it just from his cock. <laughs> I don't know what he might catch from Tiger Woods' cock. Where that's been. 
Oh, is it back to me? No, it's me. You just shouted. Oh, right. Could they outrun a 1994 Skoda? Um, well, again, <laughs> not, 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 not really sure, to be honest. If you had to, yeah, you had to back one of them, the Skoda. It's um, lime green. It's a lime green Skoda from 1994. Ramshackle piece right. of kit. Is he outrunning it in a village? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Okay, it's good to know. Fairly fast. I took from that. Nice teeth. Gonna lick them. <laughs> He's in again. <laughs> Sean Wright Phillips. <laughs> it is not Sean Wright Phillips. Get uh, off me, girl. <laughs> Yes, Doxy. Bradley Wright Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. Uh, <laughs> it's to you, Stubbsy. This nail sportsman was going to paint his nails. What colour would he go for? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one, that one, Carl. <laughs> oh, that's gripping. Um, I, I don't know <coughs> the answer. Oh, come on, mate. You're better than that. It's your game. Yeah, yeah I mean, are you doing your research? Have they got an aura about what? like a colour? Oh, yeah, aura. yes, mate. Yeah, I've done the research on what colour they paint their fucking nails. <laughs> but then they've not got like an aura about them that you feel, mm, yeah, like Carl's got a purple yeah. aura to him. He looks purple. I'm bright red because the sun's been out. <laughs> I would say uh, black. Oof, dark personality. Ooh. Very yeah. dark. Gothic almost. Um, right, yeah. I'm going to give you a scenario, DT. I need to know how they would respond in, in the scenario, okay? So yeah. this sports star is on the beach at Skegness. They're mm. having a Marmite sandwich. Not for me, but the, the, this one, like they like Marmite. They then go for a, a, a dip in the sea and there's a little bit of Marmite just left on their person. They don't know this. The sea hasn't rubbed it off. A shark pops up out of nowhere and attacks the sportsman. How does the sportsman respond? Do they A, punch him on the nose <laughs> or B, do they just wilt and the shark eats them, Marmite and all? So what I'm trying to get at you, Dan, uh, have they got that cutting edge? Are they really competitive to kill the shark? Punch him on the nose. And do they like that? It would be... Uh, well, I don't know about Marmite, but the... Uh, <laughs> yes, they would punch. They would punch. Oof, right, aggressive. So this person, just to sum it up, Stubbsy, uh, they, they've got a dark aura. They're fast because they can outrun the Skoda. And uh, they're competitive. So, uh, yeah. uh, not one of the right Phillips brothers. <laughs> or Tiger Woods. <laughs> or Tiger Woods. <laughs> I feel like we're narrowing it down, to be fair. Honestly. Are you, are you... <laughs> Get off me, you girl. <laughs> Go on. Is it Roger Federer? It is not. Oh, he's Roger not... Federer. Yeah, but now he's competitive, yeah, he... isn't he? 
Yeah, but you didn't listen. He's got his cock's bigger than six inches. That rules Rog out. No, he's got a small penis, Rog. Yeah. Oh, does that mean it's my my question? Yeah. Um, uh, we'll go for another scenario. So you've just rocked up at Portsman's house, uh, and he's asked you to do a little bit of uh, DIY. Um, Colour shell would he want in his living room? What colour? Yeah. You're obsessed with colour. It says a lot about a bloke, colour stocks. No, fair point. It'd be, it'd be like a very um, clean, rustic looking shelf. So like clean background with a rustic. rustic How shelf. high off the floor would he have this shelf? Oof. Approximately oh, yeah, this in millimetres. This is probing. In millimetres. Yes, please. Um, it would be fairly high up, I would say. What, so he doesn't bang his head? Yeah, I would it. say... Oh, Stocks, I'm out, probing, out. I'm probing. He's Method to the man. Out of the way. Method. Yeah, so he didn't bang his head. Right. Ooh. We've walked in the Shoulder of Mutton in Ruskington, which is my favourite pub. I've gone up to the bar... He's gone to the jukebox, right? So two, two, it's, it's a two-parter. What song has he put on while well, I'm getting the round in, which is surprising enough? And I turn and say, Oi, whoever you are, uh, mystery guest, what drink are you having, son? What's he replying as he puts that quid in the jukebox, selects his three songs? What song was coming on first and what drink is he having? I need to know this and I'll get it straight off the bat of this. I'm getting it now. You give me this answer, I'm getting it straight away. I promise you. Um, <laughs> I don't know a specific song. Uh, no, I need to know we, what song it is. Just not. Um, see, this is why no, I, I, I don't like, like, like this. <laughs> Go on, Carl. Is it Anthony Joshua? Oh! Has he got it? That is correct. Oh, yes! that's, it. that's class. <laughs> Yes! <laughs> What's the word? How did you get that? How the fuck have you got that? You got that? <laughs> I'm genuinely gutted. I didn't even get an answer to my question. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, what what was the answer, DT? What was what 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 drink did you order in? Well, I was gonna say just something quite simple and clean like a vodka soda. Well, Lucas, eh? Because he's sponsored by him. Yeah, well, he, yeah, she won that in, obviously. And, uh, and the answer yeah. was his own song, because he's a rapper, isn't he? So they put his own song on the Yeah. And well, I was going to say genre. I think Stubbsy should be disqualified because he didn't answer my question and he's just jumped straight in. I mean, he's not even respected the game at all. That's no, there was no rules as to when you could and couldn't do it. First rule of guess who? Learn the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, do you know what the Do you know what the first rule of guess who is? There are no rules. The person, right? And that's exactly what I did, mate. So shut up. If If you're listening on ITV, you can fuck off. All right, that's our game show. Uh, we've trademarked yes. that to gone off on a tangent. So you can you can do one. Philip Schofield's getting nowhere near guess who. Go, go let, put him back on this morning. Nothing. It's hours. Uh, genuinely phenomenal for me. I enjoyed that. Good game, that. 
You have been listening to Gone Off on a Tangent, episode six. We are gratefully sponsored by Active Arena in Lincoln. Go back and listen to the advert. We worked really hard on it for 30 seconds. Go have a listen to it. Uh, go find them on Facebook, etc. Thank you, Danny, for sponsoring us. It means the world to us. Thank you to Hell's Ditch for the end music you will hear in approximately two seconds. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back again next week. I've been Adam Stocks. He's been Kyle Stubbs. Nice tea. Can I lick him? And he's been one member of the Guess Who team, Dan Taylor. Good night and God bless. See you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Ciao. You are